Section 22 of Shakespeare Identified. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Shakespeare Identified in Edward de Vere by J. Thomas Looney. Section 22. The Lyric Poetry of Edward de Vere, Part 4 in making this parallel between the work of edward de vere and shakespeare we shall turn now to an example which carries us back to the beginning of our enquiry starting with shakespeare's lyric poetry we fasten upon venus and adonis as furnishing the connecting link between the two sections of work reverting now to this poem we find in the first place it contains all the imagery of these early works of de vere's and then one of the most striking parallels we have noticed so far in venus and adonis we have the following verses on the echo venus is bemoaning her troubles and the echo is answering her stanzas one hundred thirty nine to one hundred forty two and now she beats her heart whereat it groans that all the neighbor caves as seeming troubled make verbal repetition of her moans passion on passion deeply is redoubled i me she cries and twenty times woe woe and twenty echoes twenty times cry so she marking them begins a wailing note and sings extemporally a woeful ditty how love makes young men thrall and old men dote how love is wise in folly foolish witty her anthem still concludes in woe and still the choir of echoes answers so for who hath she to spend the night withal but idle sounds resembling parasites like shrill-tongued tapsters answering every call soothing the humour of fantastic whites she says tis so they answer all tis so and would say after her if she said no we observe in passing the second stanza a repetition of the wit and folly paradox we shall now give edward de vere's echo poem in full it is one of the most quaintly conceived and most skillfully executed pieces of versification and hardly admits of curtailment to enjoy it fully the reader must remember that vere retaining its french sound is pronounced somewhat like the word bear and the last syllable in words like fever and quiver must in this instance be given the same full sound oxford's name we may remark frequently appears in old records as vere vision of a fair maid with echo verses sitting alone upon my thoughts in melancholy mood in sight of sea and at my back in ancient hoary wood i saw a fair lady come her secret fears to wail clad all in color of a nun and covered with a veil yet for the day was calm and clear i might discern her face as one might see a damask rose hid under crystal glass three times with her soft hand full hard on her left side she knocks and sighed so sore as might have made some pity in the rocks from sighs and shedding amber tears in two sweet songs she brake when thus the echo answered her to every word she spake o heavens who was the first that bred in me this fever ver who was the first that gave the wound whose fear i wear for a ver ver what tyrant cupid to my harm usurps thy golden quiver ver what white first caught this heart and can from bondage it deliver ver yet who doth most adore this white o hollow caves tell true you 
what nymph deserves his liking best yet doth in sorrow rue you what makes him not reward goodwill with some reward or ruth youth what makes him show besides his birth such pride and such untruth youth may i his favor match with love if he my love will try i may i requite his birth with faith then faithful will i die i and i that knew this lady well said lord how great a miracle to her how echo told the truth as true as phobus oracle after studying these two poems carefully and comparing specially the words in italics then recalling de vere's poem on women turning upon the simile of the haggard hawk and keeping in mind that in de vere's echo poem we have a young woman making the caves re-echo with her lover's name consider now the speech that shakespeare puts into the mouth of juliet hist romeo hist oh for a falconer's voice to lure this tassel gentle back again bondage is hoarse and may not speak aloud else would i tear the cave where echo lies and make her airy tongue more hoarse than mine with repetition of my romeo's name scene two act two a six-lined fragment of blank verse in presence of such a correspondence in the work as these verses present it seems almost like a waste of effort to add further comparisons and yet so redolent of de vere's work is this particular play of shakespeare's that we feel compelled to draw attention to parallel passages like the following de vere one that with the careful culver climbs the worn and withered tree to entertain my thoughts and there my hap to moan that never am less idle low than when i am alone shakespeare romeo and juliet act one scene one he stole into the covert of the wood i measuring his affections by my own that most are bruised when they are most alone de vere patience perforce is such a pinching pain shakespeare romeo and juliet act one scene five patience perforce makes my flesh tremble de vere his bitter ball is sugared bliss shakespeare romeo and juliet act one scene one a choking gall and a preserving sweet now seeming sweet convert to bitter gall act one scene five de vere o cruel hap and hard estate that forceth me to love my foe shakespeare romeo and juliet act one scene two prodigious birth of love it is to me that i must love a loathed enemy returning now to the venus echo verses we find that they are immediately followed by this lo here the lark weary of nest from his moist cabinet mounts up on high and wakes the morning from whose silver breast the sun ariseth in his majesty who doth the world so gloriously behold that cedar tops and hills seem burnished gold stanza one hundred forty three to this add the following line from romeo and juliet it was the lark the herald of the morn act three scene five now compare the shakespearean work with the following from de vere the lively lark stretched forth her wings the messenger of morning bright and with her cheerful voice did sing the day's approach discharging night when that aurora blushing red described the guilt of thetis's bed this again suggests the following from romeo and juliet many a morning hath he there been seen but all too soon as the all-cheering sun should in the furthest east begin to draw the shady curtains from aurora's bed etc act one scene one 
romeo and juliet also contains two separate six-lined stanzas on the lord vaux model and also what are probably the first of the shakespearean sonnets which are as already mentioned identical in form with the only sonnet that appears in de vere's early poems another matter which is not poetical deserves to be mentioned here it must have struck many people as strange that juliet at the time of her marriage should be represented as a mere child of fourteen there is no special point in the plaint to necessitate having one so young for the tragical part she had to play extraordinarily young as she was however she was the actual age of de vere's wife at the time of their marriage the ceremony being merely postponed until her fifteenth birthday was reached we must now recall the fact that when we selected de vere as the possible author of shakespeare's plays and poems and found that he satisfied the essential conditions of our original characterization we had no knowledge whatever of these poems of his almost every line of which we now find paralleled in shakespeare to discover such a correspondence in the poems under such circumstances furnishes to the discoverer at any rate a much greater weight of evidence than if he had been acquainted with the writings at the outset it will be observed that in making these comparisons the passages quoted from shakespeare which are suggestive of oxford's early poetry belong mainly to what is accepted as shakespeare's early work such as venus lucrece the two gentlemen of verona and romeo and juliet on the other hand the traces of the de vere poetry in the later shakespearean work are very slight this it will also be remembered is in precise accordance with the principle which guided us in the first stages of our search namely that it would be the poet's early work which would appear under his own name and that it would be found to link itself on to the earliest shakespearean work again as the de vere collection is only a small one it will be seen from the number of poems quoted that practically the whole of the de vere work is deposited as it were in shakespeare the evidence furnished by such parallelism must not however be viewed alone it must be connected specially with the testimony which literary authorities have given us as to the specific qualities of de vere's poetry adduced in the preceding chapter it must also be connected with these important considerations of chronology which allow the early career of oxford to fit in exactly with later production of the shakespeare dramas and to all this must also be added the fact of his presenting in his person so many of the conditions and attributes which recent shakespearean study has assigned to the great dramatist the reader should then ask himself whether it would be common sense to keep on believing that all this is mere accident if from reading the echo poem of de vere with its quaint and delicate humor the reader will turn to such verses as those beginning fain would i sing but fury makes me mad or framed in the front of forlorn hope and then again recall the fact that edward de vere in his work for the stage is reported as being the best in comedy in his day he will get an idea of the striking combination of humor and tragedy in the nature and work of this remarkable man all the startling contrast of high comedy and profound tragedy which stands out from the pages of shakespeare finds its counterpart in the work of de vere as we shall also find it does in his actual life with this in mind let it be recalled that at the very moment when shakespeare was writing the sonnets with all their tragic depth and with hardly a trace of light-heartedness revealing a soul darkened by disappointment disillusionment and self-condemnation 
he was also preparing for the stage plays which for three hundred years have by their exquisite fun supplied the world with inexhaustible laughter we read some of the sonnets and we feel that the writer must have been the most despairing of pessimists give notice to the world that i am gone from this vile world with vilest worms to dwell we turn to the comedies he wrote for the stage and we think of him as the merriest of men which was the real shakespeare the shakespeare revealed in the sonnets or the shakespeare revealed in the comedies probably neither by itself the sonnets are however direct personal poetry the comedies are literature and stage plays the natural assumption therefore is that in his inmost life he was more the shakespeare of the sonnets than of the comedies if therefore we suppose that shakespeare is edward de vere we find him expressing himself directly on the point in the following lines i am not as i seem to be for when i smile i am not glad a thrall although you count me free i most in mirth most pensive sad i smile to hide my bitter spite as hannibal that saw in sight his country soil with carthage town by roman force defaced down we give the entire stanza in order that in passing its structure may be noted it will be seen that it is identical in metre and rhyme with shakespeare's poem when daisies pied and violets blue with which love's labor lost finishes leaving out of course the interjected word cuckoo the observant reader may notice too that the latter poem is preceded by the words ver begin and remembering that oxford's name was very frequently spelt ver he will be able to imagine the elation which would have appeared in certain quarters if in this the first shakespearean play for which it is considered there had occurred the words bacon begin another stanza in the same poem of de vere's runs thus i hannibal that smile for grief and let you caesar's tears suffice the one that laughs at his mischief the other all for joy that cries i smile to see me scorned so you weep for joy to see me woe this is at once suggestive of the lines in lear act one scene four then they for sudden joy did weep and i for sorrow sung returning to our theme one of the most penetrating of observers amongst writers on shakespeare richard baghot although believing in the essential gaiety of the poet's nature remarks that all through his works there is a certain tinge of musing sadness pervading and as it were softening their gaiety exactly as edward de vere described himself in the former of the above stanzas this is just what we might expect to find in a writer whose life had been saddened but who preserved by a deliberate effort his appreciation of fun whose self-command enabled him to throw aside the burden of melancholy and revel for a while in the enjoyment of his own lighter faculties but who throughout it all never quite forgot the sadness that lay at the bottom of his soul and who when the special effort was over would swing back upon himself with an intensified sense of his own inner sufferings these are just the conditions to yield that remarkable combination of tragedy and comedy which distinguishes shakespeare and they are the conditions too most likely to be furnished by the nature and circumstances of edward de vere viewing the lyric work of edward de vere as a whole we feel justified in claiming that it contains much more than a possible promise of the work of shakespeare what is wanting to it is the vast and varied knowledge of human nature depicted in the shakespearean dramas this demands a wide and intense experience of life a life involving loss as well as gain and the years intervening between the two sets of works 
years in which he was busy with his troops of play-actors the oxford boys would certainly be full of such experience to him and if we assume the identity of oxford with shakespeare it must be conceded that one misses from the personal poems of shakespeare the sonnets certain sweet and gracious touches contained in the earlier personal poems of de vere whilst one meets also with some harsher and more defiant notes the iron had evidently entered more deeply into his soul his nature had become in a measure subdued to what it worked in like the dyer's hand but out of the tragedy of his own life were born the imperishable masterpieces in the tragic drama that will probably remain for all time the supreme glory of english literature in working out our investigations we found first of all a remarkable set of coincidences between the circumstances of edward de vere and the conditions which we suppose to pertain to the writer of shakespeare's dramas our last chapter showed us an equally remarkable set of coincidences connected with the general literary position and the dominant qualities of oxford's poetry the chapter we are now finishing the most critical in the piecing together of the case reveals what we claim to be the most extraordinary correspondence in the details of the work when therefore the poems of de vere shall have become familiar to english readers it will not be surprising if those who are thoroughly intimate with shakespeare's work are able to detect much more striking points of similarity than any that are here indicated it must however be kept in mind that the value of these correspondences depends not so much upon the striking character of a few of them which might conceivably be matched elsewhere but upon the cumulative effect of them all taken in their mass then we believe that sufficient has already been made out which supported as it is by the other lines of our argument leaves little room for doubt that the problem of the authorship of shakespeare's works has at last been solved valuable as is the other evidence which we have been able to collect we might have hesitated for a very long while before venturing on the strength of that alone to assume the responsibility of claiming publicly that we had succeeded in identifying shakespeare now however that we have been able to examine the early poetry of de vere and subject it to a careful comparison with the early shakespearean work it has become impossible to hesitate any longer in proclaiming edward de vere seventeenth earl of oxford as the real author of shakespeare's works End section twenty two